This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Material is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Bruce Thompson. I'm co-founder and CEO of Bright Label. And what I love about materials really is all the processes and the decisions that goes into getting a product made um, from, from fiber all the way to the shelves. From the thread up, that's the information we should be sharing with our customers. How our products are made, where the materials are from, and what they're actually made of, all along the supply chain and across the globe. But how do you deliver them that story? Coming up, you'll hear from a company that's sharing this information in a dynamic new way so your customers don't just know a great story, they know a story that sells. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto, and Samantha Cortez. Hey, Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Steph. Very nice to be here. Excited to have you. So I know that integral to your business is so much getting dynamic, transparent information all about materials, certifications, where things are from, into the hands of the consumer. Why does that matter so much to you? I think the reality is that today's consumer is really looking for a lot more out of the products that they're purchasing. It's not just about fit and fashion and price. A lot of today's consumers really want to know more about where the product comes from, how it was made, the impact of that product uh, on the environment, and all of that. And and consumers want this information to make more informed decisions uh, about what they wear and, and, and what they purchase. But the reality is uh, you know, traditional labeling provides very, very little information that's of any practical use to a consumer. Yeah, traditional labeling. I think of what I have on my shirt, and I can tell you, I, despite being an expert in materials, do not read all the time whatever the label says. It's well, just... it's, and it's not even. I mean, not only is it not always in English, uh, it's 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 in six or seven different languages. But you've got these weird numbers and symbols and everything that really have no practical use for for a consumer. So why isn't anyone innovating or doing anything about this yet? Why haven't people thought about it before? Well, I think it's it's a combination of of factors. There's um, there are regulatory regimes in place around the around the world in all the major markets that dictate what has to be on a product in order for it to meet the import standards and in in that given country. So you know, in the U.S., the FCC uh, or FTC rather. Um, regulates that, you know, the product labeling on, on textiles and apparel has to have, um, it's got to be in English, it has to have the country where it was manufactured, um, care instructions, and, and and a number of other, you know, items that most of us wouldn't even pay attention to. This is very interesting. Looking at your background, how did you get into doing labels, you know, from NAFTA and all your trade organizations and research and analysis right right no absolutely i it it is all kind of tied in um you know i got my start in the textiles and apparel space 
uh, working at the United States Trade Representative, uh, which is the U.S. agency that oversees the negotiation and enforcement of our international trade agreements. Um, and as part of that, you know, we're looking at the rules and the regulations uh, that, and not to mention the taxes and tariffs and everything that kind of determine how companies in the U.S. produce uh, products, import products, sell the products. Uh, and, and so really there was, I had this, this, this focus on, um, on those rules and regulations on where products are being made, the decisions that go into, um, how to source, where to source, uh, and all that. And I think, um, the reality is when you look at a product label right now and you see, uh, made in, in Mexico, made in China, made in Guatemala, something like that. You know, from my standpoint, I understand, and, and you all understand because you're in the industry, that tells you very little about where that product actually came from. Um, and, and, and so, you know, you might have a product that says made in Mexico, but there's a pretty good chance that that thing's made out of American cotton. It could be denim that's milled in the United States, shipped to Mexico and cut and sewn into the jeans you're wearing, but that doesn't come through in traditional uh, labeling. And, and, you know, what this all comes down to is, frankly, I'm a, I'm a big kind of nerd or a wonk for that process, how things get made and the decisions that go into uh, the geography of production chains and all that. Um, and it's frustrating to me that the story of how that product is being made isn't clearly uh, told to the consumer. And most average everyday consumers don't really understand that process. And my favorite part of traditional labeling is those images for care instructions, which <laughs> not only do I have no clue, but even my expert dry cleaners and wash and fold have no idea either what these you know pictures mean. And it gets ripped up after a while anyway on the old ribbon or whatever it's sewn into the material with and forget about it. No, of course. You got you to square with a circle in it. I guess that means wash warm or something. I mean, what, <laughs> what does that really mean from a practical standpoint? And Labeling right now is getting out of control. You've got, you know, we, I mentioned earlier that you've got different labeling regimes for every major market, right? So if you're, a, if you're a producer, if you're a manufacturer, if you're a brand, and you want to be able to decide last minute where you're going to ship a product, where you want to put it on the shelves based on, on demand, if you want to build that kind of flexibility into your supply chain, uh, then you need to sew a label in there that conforms to every potential market that you're sending your product into, which is why now you have shirts or garments that have six, seven, eight different pages worth of worth of labels uh, in a number of different languages uh, using a, a variety of different symbols and everything else. Um, and it, it provides a level of flexibility for brands to be able to say, hey, I can, I can send this to Spain or I can send it to the United States based on where the demand is uh, without sending it back to the the, the floor, uh, you know, the, the factory floor. But um, at, at the same time, you know, you end up with quite a bit of waste. Um, there's not as much flexibility there as, as there could be. Um, you get a real sense of now efficiency and transparency with what you're doing, I think, and the movement. Can you talk a little bit about exactly what Bright Label is doing to change that regime? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the first the first thing I'd like to say is that, you know, regardless of what, what, what we're doing, you know, the, the process of changing government regulation is a long process. You know, it's not easy to do that. Um, I know that there are efforts underway. You know, there were discussions that were had during the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, 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 negotiations, during the, the, the U.S.-Europe 
trade negotiation about how can we update this? How can we upgrade um, to kind of meet the need for for the 21st century, basically? Um, and again, upgrade the labeling regime so that they can be more useful for consumers and also more valuable um, and more flexible for brands. We're bright label, so how do you, how does your solution fit into this? I know you have some incredible technology that you are developing that will digitize this, um, but what is it that it's going to bring to consumers and to the brands to empower them better? Right. So exactly. So you know the original motivation really was around how can we help the industry update and upgrade its labeling regime and its labeling standards, and and how can we build a labels labeling system that is. Uh, more informative and, and and better serves the customer while also building in some new um, value for the brands themselves and for textile manufacturers themselves. Um, and so what we've done is we've built a software platform um, that allows uh, brands and manufacturers and, and, and companies that are involved across the supply chain, across the value chain in the production of a, a material to really integrate information about a product, um, not just the, the size and color and, um, and and photos of the product, but also a more dynamic value chain uh, picture. So we have um, in our digital labeling a, uh, a dynamic map that shows not just made in X, but also you can input information about um, uh, fabric sourced from, designed in, et cetera. And you can take the consumer through a, a little bit more uh, in-depth journey as to how the product was made. Um, it provides space for integrating information on any kind of sustainability certifications you have, any kind of uh, awards and other things that have been brought in. And and we can get into this a little bit bit later. But there's a lot of misinformation or or lack of information out there um, around what these certifications actually mean. What separates a certified recycled from just contains recycled um, and then the kind of information that we can provide to to consumers on the individual aspects of uh, of, of these product attributes uh, in a way that could never fit on a traditional label it could never fit on you know even hang tags unless you want to attach a whole book of of information uh, onto a garment uh, and does so in a kind of an elegant package uh, that is easily accessible at the point of product for consumers in a retail environment. I know that the consumers have been waiting for this. They're interested in where the garment's made. I'm just curious on the designer. How have you been, um, the response from the design world on saying all the information, where they produced their things, where they made it, how they made it, what what fabrics, where the fabrics come from? Yeah, of, of course. I mean, I, I think the, the the easy answer for that is that early on, um, we've really been focusing on those segments where you've got brands that that understand that their consumers really care about this stuff, and they recognize that there's added value in providing more information, providing more transparency in terms of where they where they source. Companies who are proud of of their sourcing decisions, that are proud of the products that they use, they want to help you know, co-market with their fabric supplier because they think their fabric is superior than their competitors fabric that they're using. Uh, and traditional tags are not going to tell you anything about the fabric that goes into a shirt. Um, and so you've got segments like the, you know, the outdoor apparel industry, you've, you where where consumers, they're not just wanting some uh, a, a performance jacket that's got great 
um, technology built into it, but they also are, you know, avid outdoors men and women who care about the environment and they want to know that the, the jacket that they're, that they're wearing in order to enjoy the environment is not somewhere else in the world damaging the environment. And so I think that there are certain segments where companies realize that, yes, by providing more information, let's say, into our, our supply chain or something, we may be giving some, you know, information out there that could be useful to our competitors uh, or, or something else that, you know, traditionally they wouldn't have provided. But on, you know, downstream, the value that it generates in terms of creating brand loyalty, creating a sense, a broader sense of what we stand for as a company uh, is, 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 you know, is, is of benefit, is of value. And it probably gives them, right, like an additional content storytelling piece as a designer, as a factory, as a brand. You now have this dynamic information that you can include in your social media and on your platform and website that creates this story. And, they, you know, they're all everyone's trying to be these thought content leaders. Of course. You know, I said earlier, people are not just buying goods because the just because of the the style and the fit and the price. They they're buying it because it fits into a broader lifestyle. And brands are investing so much right now into uh, into what they broadly represent, into the lifestyle that they are presenting. Um, and I think providing a point of product link between a physical good and this digital environment that you're cultivating online and the content that you're producing online uh, is really beneficial. So take take a company that has like a brand ambassador um, who is out there every day using the product. Let's say it's for, a, again, just to go back to the outdoor apparel industry, um, you know, a, a new ski jacket that is being, you know, you can have pictures of the ski jacket and you can have a description of the different technology. But if you could also integrate into the digital label, um, the video of a professional skier, your brand ambassador on the mountain doing a doing a review of this jacket, it provides that extra layer of of content and assurance to the consumer that hey, this is something that that's that's high quality. And obviously these kind of things can be integrated into your website. Um, what we want to do is make sure that what we're packaging is um, is a, is is easy to consume in, in a retail environment. It's, you know, elegant. It's not an entire web page with everything under the sun that's in it. It really focuses in on what you would find on a traditional level, uh, label, the kind of that useful practical information, plus additional features uh, and links to the social media and links to the broader product website if the consumer wants to do a deeper dive. So when they work with you, they um, they have a separate page on to your um, web Right. So we so what what we do is we actually, you know, we generate the labels that are, you know, product specific um, instead of just so that instead of just sending someone to a generic, let's say, sustainability website, um, we have the specific product, the, you know, the size, color, everything else you would traditionally find, um, but also, you know, this additional information that's unique to that that product or that line or that brand. Um, and, you know, we host these digital labels um, and, of course, then provide outbound external links to, again, the social media of the website, to the product page on the e-commerce site. Um, if it's got a sustainability certification, um, we'll, you know, it provides information about what that actually means, written in language that's meant for a consumer audience, not a, you know, 
materials wonks like us or industry people. It's written for a consumer to understand. And if they want to do a deeper dive, it provides those external links to, you know, what this certification really means or what this product feature actually um, provides from a value standpoint. So I, I'm an end consumer. I have this product. How do I then attach it to that digital label? What is the process as a consumer to find out the information about that product? Right. Absolutely. So, you know, from a technology standpoint, from a content delivery standpoint, we really we were guided by a few principles, um, and and that is number one, it's got to be uh, inexpensive and easy for brands and companies to roll out. Um, so introducing uh, more expensive high tech uh, scanning capability isn't really what we're focused on right now, um, though there's a lot of great innovation in that area. Uh, but it's also got to be broadly accessible to uh, consumers. Uh, again, in a retail environment. RFID is great, but consumers aren't walking around stores carrying an RFID scanner. What we do have is our cell phones. What we do have is smartphones. Uh, and so right now what we do is, again, we're generating um, and hosting the the digital content, the digital label itself. Uh, but the delivery mechanism right now is actually kind of a, a stylized QR code that, frankly, anyone with an iPhone, all you have to do is pull up your camera on your iPhone, put it over the the, the the tag and it'll link you right to the the digital content you don't need if you've got a newer iphone or if you've updated your your software uh you don't need some kind of third-party qr code scanning app um and and what this does is it allows us to actually for every digital unique digital label that we provide or that, that we generate we can actually you know provide the brand with a um just the digital image of the of the code, which they can use however they want to integrate into their own hang tags. We don't we're not putting our own proprietary hang tags on on clothes or sewn into anything. What we're doing is we're providing the brand with the, or the company with a digital image that they can integrate into their their hang tags, into their sewn in labels, um, or into any kind of other marketing platform that they that they choose. Awesome. Well, you touched on RFID, and I want to get more into blockchain, but I am staring at some delicious food <laughs> that you brought, and I am hungry. What did you bring us? Okay, so I was told that uh, it's customary to bring a little snack when visitors come, and I, I made the trip down from the Upper West Side of, of New York, and there is a bakery up there, Levain Bakery, that makes, you know, God's honest truth, the best dang cookie I've ever had in my life. Um, I'm typically not a sucker for these you know, cronuts and fancy cupcakes and all that. But these cookies are, are the best things, best baked good I've ever had in my life. So I've got Levain cookies. Um, we've got two chocolate chip, got a double chocolate and an oatmeal. Um, and yeah, no, my, my apologies in advance if you had any kind of New Year's resolutions about <laughs> eating more healthy or anything like that, because these are irresistible. And I do hope that you can appreciate the self- discipline and self-control that was required to make it from the Upper West Side downtown without sneaking a snack, well, sneaking a bite. Now my, it's time. My niece <laughs> flies in from Houston for those cookies, so. <laughs> they are no joke. They are yes. no joke. It is time. Cannot wait. Thank you. All right. Welcome to 
hashtag moms got this. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, mom's got this. (laughs) You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Now that we are back and on a sugar high here with Bruce, um, we've been talking a lot about the labeling and and the information that you're providing digitally in the hands of the consumers. I'm wondering, in terms of the strategic partnerships with the brands, with the factories and mills, what does those kind of relationships look like? I know you have some interesting pilot programs in the works with some major players. And what's that process to becoming a part of the Bright Label system? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we've talked about, I think uh, on a broad level, what we're really focused on is how do we provide more information about a product, the kind of information that a company wants to, to present to the consumer and the kind of information that a consumer wants, how do we provide a vehicle for that information? You know, what we're not doing at this stage is necessarily generating new content about these products. And this is where partnerships are, are incredible. You guys talk to players in the industry all the time who are doing amazing, innovative things. We're not trying to re-innovate, um, you know, a lot of the, the work that's being done up and down the supply chain. You've got companies that are making incredible strides on mapping supply chains, um, using technologies, you know, trying to figure out how we use blockchain effectively to ensure that the materials and the products are, you know, are, are legitimate and are correctly mapped, you know, across the entire this complex web of, of interactions that go that, that 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 take place in the process of of creating a garment that that we pick up in the shelves um, using things like blockchain, using things like, um, you know, kind of uh, supply chain mapping technologies uh, to to generate that kind of information, to verify that information so that the end consumer can feel confident that the information they're getting about the origin of these products uh, is, is legitimate. We're not out there trying to reinvent that. There are some amazing, very smart people working on those kind of things. What we want to do is make sure that if a company is investing in mapping its supply chain, verifying the origin of its products, verifying that if it's buying, uh, if it thinks it's buying organic cotton um, and, and is, is putting that effort in there and getting the certifications that are needed, that it can really kind of realize a return on that investment in the production by pushing that information to consumers um, who may want to reward these companies uh, by purchasing their product uh, instead of one that does not provide that level of transparency or or does not provide a, a certified verified um, uh, uh, certification or or, or product um, and so for us critical to this is engaging with these players across the supply chain so obviously the brand that is marketing the product you know, whose logo is sewn on the product is important. They have critical product information and they're the ultimate arbiters of what they really want to present to the end consumer. But they are working with 
their fabric suppliers. They're working, you know, up the supply chain with with companies that are uh, again verifying and helping them map and understand their supply chains. They are working with certification bodies and uh, standards organizations to get that fair trade or that wrap or that, you know, GOTS or whatever certification it is, um, they are making these investments because they believe that that's of value, you know, to them as a company and to their their customers. What we want to do is make sure that you're able to, that consumers are able to really understand all that content and that we provide companies with a vehicle to present that content to the consumer in a kind of an elegant, easy to to digest at, at the point of retail uh, kind of scenario. I strongly believe about the um, knowing what you what you purchase from the thread up. It's 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 always been in my philosophy. But for the smaller designers, do you provide like a certain type of template that they could follow? How do you, as a smaller designer, and want to be involved with your company? How how does that work? Right, absolutely. So we we what we want to do is actually pre- present um, in our digital labeling somewhat of a standardized platform, a standardized template so that consumers know that when they scan it, they know what information they'll probably get and, uh, and, and how it's going to be presented and where to look for it. In the same way that when you, you know, look on a, a product label, it's more or less the same whether you're buying a shirt from brand X or brand Y, you know that you can get certain information. So we actually, we want to make this scalable and we want to make sure that it is kind of recognizable and easy to understand for the consumer. So we provide a template um, we've got standard kind of uh, p- uh, possible information elements, um, like we talked about the dynamic origin map. If 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 a brand wants to provide more detail on the origin, um, an area for product features, an area for you know sustainability attributes and, and certifications, uh, an area to connect with social media. So you're not having to start from scratch if you're a small brand with only a few products, or if you're a large brand. With a thousand products, um, it'll. We we want to make sure that we have a, a system in place that is scalable and can be can be used, not just where you're having to develop everything from scratch f- for every product. And I can imagine now, though, in today's day and age, consumers want this information, and that kind of standardization is going to be very helpful. But in order to get users and people adopting and using it. I'm imagining, and are you guys thinking about some of the kind of fun, interactive, experiential ways you can do that, be it kiosks in, you know, different retail outlets where you can scan things and see it in virtual reality or things like that to get people? Because obviously you need you need numbers. You need people to start using it. You need everyone in the supply chain to start providing information. And then the power, I mean, becomes exponential. Right. I mean, there really are tremendous network effects here. I mean, if if and that that spread not only to benefit the consumer but to benefit everyone involved in the process and so you know if we go from a thousand users to ten thousand users we're not just you know linearly improving the the benefit it really is is exponential and so you know we're thinking through how do we make sure that this again is accessible now and easy to roll out easy to scale um not not terribly expensive um, for anyone, but also how do we encourage people to actually access this information? You know, we've all seen QR codes around and very few of us take right. the time to scan them. Right. Uh, and so I talk to brands, I talk to um, clients about how do we how do we really provide that uh, 
that motivation? Um, how do we make sure that they understand that by scanning this, they can access information that's of value to them and will be interesting? And so you have to have that trigger uh, built in. The idea of of kiosks or little, you know, scanning platforms that in in a point of retail is something I've thought through, uh, and that would again require a lot of discussion and and partnership and everything else. But I think. The benefit to the brand of under, being able to engage their consumer, uh, the benefit to the supply chain partners who uh, who are wanting to make sure that that the brands are extracting value from the service they're providing to them and that the consumer is able to access that kind of information, it all depends on a willingness of the user to actually scan it. Um, and, and, and that's going to require a behavioral change. Um, but but I think we are moving in that direction. And presumably, I am thinking through the kind of the data analytics that you're also going to be collecting in uh, depending on what you decide to do with it and proprietary and sensitivity wise, um, feeding that information along the supply chain could be incredibly valuable too of what people are care more about what they're searching more what they're reading more about what they're buying more of. I mean, that can have powerful effects too. I think it would be a real big change to the whole industry at a whole like saying, hey, you know what, you have to be careful in what we purchase and, and because consumers are waiting for it. And, and we along the supply chain that we have to actually mean what we say and be careful with the words just because we say it's merino wool. If we don't have a certificate that says it's merino, well, is it actually merino wool? And these kinds of challenges that people are starting to make, I think, are very valid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's going to providing this kind of level of information, I think, really supports a lot of the movement that's that's going on in the industry about promoting uh, the the verified, you know, origins and promoting these certifications and everything. But for a, a consumer, you know, it's really hard for us to walk into a, an everyday consumer to walk into a store and understand what the difference between contains organic cotton and certified organic by this body. What does that logo mean? What does it indicate? Uh, and what's the difference there? And so as a means for helping to combat greenwashing, um, to promote this kind of level of transparency uh, is, is really important. And I think, Samantha, you touched on something absolutely critical, which is, you know, traditionally um, in a retail environment, there's there's very little that we can learn or that brands can learn about an end consumer uh, in, a, in a physical environment. And there's all these there's a whole industry now of kind of retail technology that is trying to tap into that and trying to bridge that digital physical divide. And what we're doing here is providing a very easy um, point of product, product specific um, uh, point of, of information that connects to the digital environment um, and what you can learn from your consumers that way. What companies that are operating up the value chain, the fabric supplier, the the fiber manufacturer, those sustainability organizations, other kind of third parties, what they could start to learn about who is scanning and, and how are they using and what kind of preferences do they have uh, is really invaluable. And again, it speaks to that kind of network effect. The more you get uh, people using it and scanning it, uh, the more valuable it is to not just the brand um, but also to the the, the partners uh, across the chain. Speaking of kind of that network effect and partnerships, I know that uh, you have some amazing partnerships in, in the works, that you guys have a pilot program with Lensing coming up, who we have chatted with before, as well as going to be have a booth at TexWorld. We'll be there as well. And what does it mean to your business to kind of have those partnerships and those kinds of brands and names uh, really support your initiatives and get you out of Yeah, I mean, it means everything to us. 
Um, Lindsay has been an incredible partner so far. I think they recognize that there's tremendous value uh, in 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 providing consumers more information about the products that they're that they're producing. And Lindsay is a perfect example. They are a uh, an innovative, fascinating company that's producing fiber made out of trees. They're doing it in a closed loop process. That means there's very little kind of chemical discharge. They've got a number of awards and, uh, and and certifications that verify, you know, that 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 the products that they're making are not only really nice quality and soft and and biodegradable and all that, but they're actually produced in a responsible way. Um, but you know, traditionally, a fiber manufacturer isn't really marketing to an end consumer. Um, they so so for those who don't know, Lensing, uh produces Tencel. Uh, which is kind of a, it's a branded lyocell fiber. If you go to someone on the street and you say those words tencel and lyocell, there's a good chance that people aren't really going to understand what the heck that means. Um, but if they did know what that meant, uh, they might attach uh, an added value to that. They might appreciate that. Hey, this this shirt is made out of of, of tencel, which you know makes me feel better about you know my purchase, and it feels great, it looks great, and I can I can feel good about it. Uh, and so Lensing was really looking for a way to work with its clients. Again, Lensing is the fiber manufacturer way up the supply chain. They wanted to, they were looking for a way to work with their clients, the brands that actually are manufacturing, marketing the, the clothes, to help bring the Tencel name to the consumer, uh, to help un, uh, consumers understand what it means from a practical level to buy a product made with Tencel. And we're providing that, uh, we're providing that vehicle for, for Lensing. So now we're actually going to be launching a, a new campaign with Lensing in collaboration with a few of their um, clients to you know, kind of co-brand the Tencel name onto these finished products, which are going to be sold online or in stores uh, that allow consumers to actually scan the hang tags um, or access this information through the e-commerce platforms uh, and provide them with information on what Tencel is, how it's made, why they should care, um, all the fantastic attributes of sustainability of these products, uh, but written in a way and packaged in a way that's for the consumer. You know, if you're a fiber manufacturer, your whole, the life, you, for the the entirety of your of your uh, company, you've probably been focused on marketing to you know B two B, marketing to the mills, marketing to the brands so that they buy your fiber. This is what we're doing is helping them package this information into something that is consumable and understandable and everything for an end consumer, uh, and and working with them on that. And like I said, you know, Lensing has been an incredible partner in all this. They've got an incredible product, um, and and it's just it's too bad more people don't understand what that what that means. And so that's what we're working with them on. That's awesome. Congratulations on doing that. Before we pause, just wanted to touch on quickly any. We're obviously in a very interesting political, social, economic time. There's a lot going on, and there are a lot of legal implications of what you're doing. Um, just curious if you have any kind of predictions for the future, either where you're going, where the industry at large is going, and, and where what we're going to see come out of Brexit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we started this conversation talking about you know my background in textiles and apparel is really on the the rules and regulations side of things. It's the the trade agreements, all this, all that stuff. Um, what I think is the most sexy aspect of the industry, frankly, you know, but maybe maybe other people don't. <laughs> no, I, and uh, but um, but you know, also what I mentioned was there are strict regulatory regimes that govern uh, what is on labels, what has to be on labels, and how companies can abide by uh, that. The companies have to abide by in order to to market and sell goods in a given country. Um, you know, 
we're not in a position right now to, to, to change that overnight. It's a process. Um, but I think that the regulators are in the process of recognizing that there's a way to update this, that providing six pages of, of, of labels that provide very little practical, useful information to consumers is costly and, and, and you know, difficult for industry and not really of all that much value to the end consumer. Uh, and so I think, you know, in the TPP negotiations and in uh, the, the, the um, transatlantic agreement negotiations, there were already discussions underway about how do we upgrade and update, modernize the labeling regime. Um, and, 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 you know, the, US, uh, the, the FTC is exploring options right now for, for how we can move to a more, you know, modern and, and digital format for some of this stuff. It's going to be a long process, um, but, but that's in the works and, and that's where we're going. And we want to make sure that companies have a means to really scale up and, and push out a, a digital labeling standard um, for their products when that time comes. In the meantime, like I said before, we're really focusing on those companies and those, uh, those sectors where providing this information has added value today. You know, down the road, the ability to attach one small tag to a garment and if at the end of the summer season that bathing suit didn't sell, instead of marketing it down 70%, you can ship it to Argentina and sell it on the stores there for their summer season. That's great without having to send it back to the factory mm -hmm. floor or have, without having to sew on 10 labels. That's great. I think that's where we can be going. I think that's where we're going to be going. It, it would ease a lot of the inefficiencies in the industry. It would help you know, uh, the whole supply chain flexibility aspect. Uh, and again, it would be more useful to consumers because I, you, could, you could scan a label and even if it's written in English, you can actually have it in the language that is your preference. So if you're an Argentinian tourist in New York and you scan a product label, it's not in English, it's in your, it's in your language of choice. This kind of flexibility is fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, a perfect vision for the future. We will be back soon with some personal questions right after this. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. And now, it's Remnants. Okay, Bruce, before we get into the uh, scary, fun, personal questions, we were just talking about um, Samantha had an interesting story that she wanted to share and then get into a little bit about the DNA of fiber. 
Um, seven years, I was uh, speaking to one of the thread manufacturers, and they were looking into implementing DNA into the thread and all the logistics. Do you know a little bit more about that? Do you think that would help with your... Yeah, I think this ties in really nicely with what we were talking about earlier, which is there's these amazing companies out there who are innovating in this space across the supply chain uh, to help add benefit to the companies and, and to end consumers. And, and one of these things that I've talked to companies that are doing this right now, they're actually you know implanting DNA into fibers uh, at the source so that you can verify, companies can ver verify that the fiber that they bought, that they purchased, whether that's a, you know a, some sort of organic fiber or some kind of specialty fiber, is actually the fiber that went into the garments that they had manufactured so that these things aren't counterfeited. They're not um, they're not swapped out. You know, you've got a, a huge problem right now in in organic, where it's it's it can be organic cotton. You can't. It's hard to verify sometimes that the cotton that says it's organic is actually organic. And there are certifying bodies and there are companies that are really working to 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 verify that. Um, this extends to I, I you know I was talking to a um, um, a supplier of down that goes into some of the nicest uh, nicest jackets, ski jackets and winter jackets. Um, and not only does this supplier provide uh, the ability for a consumer to look, to look at a number on a jacket and track that down all the way to the source, to the farm, you know, the country and the, and the farm that, that, uh, that the, the geese were raised on to verify, you know, hey, this is res responsible down standard. Um, they are, it, it's, you know, it meets all these requirements of, of fair treatment. Uh, for the animals and everything, they were actually working with a company that puts tiny, tiny, tiny shards of reflective material uh, mixed in with their down, and you know, a they could go into a store and basically audit their down by pointing a little handheld laser gun kind of thing at the down jacket, and if it's ref if the laser is reflected back in the right pattern, they can verify that the down that's in this jacket that says, you know, responsible down, standard certified, track our down, um, they can verify that this is in fact that down, that it wasn't swapped out for some sort of inferior down. And if you're a consumer, you can actually go and track that down and say, and look at the the test that was done that says, hey, it's marketed as 800 fill down. This actually tested at 850 fill down. Um, and, and they provide a link to the physical inspection report by the auditor. This is incredible stuff. This is the kind of content that's being developed uh, by innovators across the supply chain. Uh, and what we want to do is make sure that you're extracting the maximum value out of these innovations and out of, out of these inventions by packaging that information and providing an easy access to the consumer. So instead of getting that label and then going home to your home computer and typing in a number on a website, you can scan the label, you can get all the product information, and boom, there's a track my down feature on our digital label uh, in partnership with this down supplier. You can you can tap on it and it automatically takes you to their platform that shows, you know, that this is down sourced from Austria and it is verified. This will verified. change the industry completely. Mind yeah. blown. Yeah, it's amazing what people are doing. I I every day when I talk to, to the goose. When I talk to people when I talk to people who are really innovating in this space, I'm blown away. But what drives me is the fact that a lot of times this story isn't being told. Yep. Far too often when you hear about, oh, it's made in Guatemala or it's made uh, in, you know, China or Bangladesh or something, the automatic assumption is, you know, oh, it's probably made in some sort of sub 
standard circumstances or or something like that 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 just by virtue of being made in in, in a foreign country doesn't necessarily mean that it was using inferior products inferior processes or or irresponsible production methods um, but far too often that story isn't told and it's hard to differentiate those companies that are doing the right thing uh, and investing in these processes from those who aren't and so we want to help these certifying bodies raise awareness about what they do, as well as you know the companies who are making these investments and and, and really generating this real innovation. And it would help vice versa. It would help the companies say, you know what, I have to keep my standards because yeah. that's what consumers expecting. Right. I mean, for me, the ultimate vision here is that digital labeling and having access to this level of information is the norm. It's not the exception. And that consumers start to look for and expect this kind of information instead of being surprised that they're providing it, raising the question, well, why isn't this company telling me more about how this product is made? You know, I, have come, I, have, I expect to know more about the supply chain and more about the products, that, the materials that go into it. You're obviously an incredibly kind of passionate, driven, inspired person with a very interesting background. I wonder, putting aside kind of the professional aspect Personally, kind of what drives and inspires you? Is it travel? Is it reading? And what do you do of late to kind of get out of the professional side? And well, this is probably for a whole other podcast. But if you want to talk, I mean, fly fishing. So I, I am hey, a, a, a I can't get through a podcast without talking about fly fishing. I mean, that is <laughs> that is my escape. That is my everything. If I need to if I need to decompress, there's nothing more meditative and more interesting than 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 sitting on a river and and trying to trick a trout. Um, but, uh, but, but really I think what motivated me to get into this broader industry, uh, what motivates me to, to do this kind of work is I've spent a lot of time, you know, like you say, traveling. I've, I, I, I spent five years at the world bank managing projects on trade facilitation in, 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 in the Congo, in Uganda, Rwanda, working at these border crossings. I can see, uh, what international trade uh, can do to communities. Uh, I worked at, at UNCTAD with the UN on on trade and gender issues, and I know that there are communities uh, who are involved in this in, in the textiles and apparel industry who are benefiting every day from the access to formal um, formal uh, employment. That there are women who who never before had the same kind of the, the kind of opportunities are benefiting from all of this, and it is a bit frustrating to me that. Generally speaking, if you listen to to, to the politics, um, frankly, on both sides of the aisle, the the discussion around international trade is is overwhelmingly pejorative. Um, but in fact, there's an amazing story to tell there. And if you're not traveling, if you're not getting out and seeing these communities uh, and seeing the, the the kind of people who are engaging in the in in, in this economy, then uh, then you're really missing out on a lot of that. You're not getting the full the full understanding. And some of the places I've been able to to, to, to learn a little bit more about you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, um, I'm just curious, what was your favorite subject in school? <laughs> um, God, you know, I, I, I love economics, um, and, and, and I'm really turned on to the behavioral economics and, and, and political economy, um, because if you're just, so I, you know, I'm an economist by trade, um, I, I worked in trade policy and all that. But I think what, what really drew me to that is, is political economy and understanding that, yes, there are, there are economic 
maxims or economic theories or all this stuff that kind of help explain how we're how we're doing. But if you don't introduce the the, the human element into this and the decision making process that goes into it and the the, the non economic motivations and 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 incentives that are in place um, that drive the kind of political decisions that are being made, if you're leaving that out, I think you're missing a big picture. Uh, and so I love I love thinking through problems that are perhaps economic economics in in in, in scope but really have a, a tremendous political and, and social element as well that are involved. Can you leave us kind of taking on to that with a final thought, words of inspiration or wisdom for our community and everyone listening? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's less about me inspiring others and, and just saying that, like, since I've really kind of dived in deep with this in industry, the more I interact with people in the industry, the more I interact with the folks who are really doing innovating um, across the value chain, the service providers, the sustainability and, and certification providers and all that, that's inspiring to me. You know, frankly, as an entrepreneur, being in New York and surrounding myself with, with people who are also starting things from scratch and, and trying to think through interesting, unique, new ways to solve old, complex problems is tremendously inspiring. Uh, and, and my hope is to create a platform that helps showcase some of that innovation uh, and, and, and bring greater value to it. That's great. Uh, how can others connect with you? How can they reach you? Where can they find you? Of course, uh, people can and obviously email me. Um, it's Bruce, B-R-U-C-E, at mybrightlabel.com. Uh, you can visit mybrightlabel.com and, and connect with me through our webpage, uh, LinkedIn. So it's Bruce Thompson, spelled without a P, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and no, I, I look forward to, to hearing from people. I think, like I said, the whole process of, of talking and interacting with people from who approached this industry from multiple angles, uh, has been tremendously educational and inspiring for me. And I think there's, there's so many places we can go with this. And the more I talk to people, the more ideas I, 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 I get. Uh, and, and so I really look forward to hearing from, from folks if they have any ideas, uh, or anything else. I'm, I'm relatively open and power of collaboration and communication. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bruce, for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I mean, I could keep going. This is, this is really yeah. fascinating stuff. So I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, thanks again. <laughs> and for Samantha Cortez, Adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Thanks for listening. Back next time on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.